Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Betsy Bird, and you're listening to episode three of the brand new Story Seeds podcast. Story Seeds is a podcast where imagination rules. On each episode, we match a young person and their story idea with an author who helps grow the story seed into an original short story. Right here on the show, you get to follow along as they meet and figure out their story idea. At the end of the show, you'll hear the brand new story that grows out of their collaboration. episode features a very short story seed about someone very, very, very tall. My name is Jasper. I am 12 years old and I live in New York City. I want a story about a mystery solver who is 74 feet tall. Whoa, Jasper, 74 feet is seriously tall. Is it taller than the giant and Jack and the Beanstalk? I don't know, but it is definitely three times as tall as an adult giraffe which is 20 feet tall, almost twice as tall as a Brachiosaurus, which stands straight at 43 feet and double the height of a wooden telephone pole. So who did we line up to grow Jasper's giant story seed? My name is Chris Grabenstein, and I am the author of the Mr. Lemoncello's Library series. If you haven't read them, the very fun Mr. Lemoncello's library books are (laughs) giantly successful, best-selling mysteries about epic breakouts. In fact, Chris has written lots of mysteries. He even used to be the president of the Mystery Writers Society of New York before he started writing children's books. And if that isn't enough, a few years ago, he wrote The Island of Dr. Libris, which features the very giant from Jack and the Beanstalk. I mean, talk about someone who's well-prepped for the job. Chris invited Jasper over to his apartment, which is not too far away from the Museum of Natural History in New York City. He lives on the seventh floor and thought it'd be cool to show Jasper his roof deck because it's the closest thing to getting the 74-foot perspective. Jasper Stoneberg here to see Mr. Gravenstein. Chris Jasper, he's coming to see you. Thank you. Jasper was welcomed into Chris's home with a veritable feast of snacks. Hey, Jasper, welcome. Good to see you. 
Anybody want a cookie? You Malamar cookie? cookies, mystery Oreos, and apple cider. Questions in hand, Chris was well prepared to ask Jasper about his story idea. So, after delicious snacks, they got right to work in Chris's office. So I actually had one question to start with. How'd you come up with this idea, the 74-foot detective? It was a story seeds workshop, and I was just like, this could be really cool. That's good. So what, what yeah. made you think it might be cool? Well, at first I was like, maybe he can be like 10 feet tall, and then I was like, no. It would be more funny and interesting if you were like 74 feet tall. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's so specific. So I start all my stories by stroking my chin and saying, what if? So you've got a great what if here. What if there was a 74 foot tall detective? Then the next step, how does your story end? Hmm. I've actually not even thought about it that much. Do you know why we read stories? To get to the end. Well, I get to the end, but what is a story? If you had to define what a story is. It has the beginning, mm -hmm. and then the climax, mm -hmm. and then it gets resolved. So stories are great character transformation machines. Somebody enters a story one way, they go through a lot of adventures and misadventures, and they get setbacks, and there's conflicts, and then they come out of the story having survived all that a different way. So what's our 74-foot giant guy detective at the end of the story? Because if you know what happens at the end of the story, you'll know what happens at the beginning. He has accomplished mm -hmm. all of the missions, I guess, and he has gone through a lot. He's had adventures, and maybe he's had problems navigating the oh, world. He better, because nobody wants to read a story about nice people having a nice day. The whole reason that stories are all about characters, get your character up a tree. Once he's up that tree, throw rocks and stones and sticks at him, give him one problem after another. So where'd he come from? I'm looking for his backstory. I think that um, his mom ate something bad. I was thinking that she could eat, have eaten like um, sushi or something and the fish was from like radioactive water. Oh, sushi from radioactive water. So I'm gonna write that down. Wait, look at that down. So his mom ate sushi. And it was bad sushi. So when did she first start noticing that her son was different? Is it the size of a boy or a girl? A boy. A boy, okay. Now, is there a dad around or was mom? Yeah, yeah. Oh, did dad do anything? Or is it all mom's fault? Well, she probably blames herself. Mm-hmm. Did dad leave? No, he, I think he stayed. He stayed, all right, dad stayed. Mom ate sushi and they had this baby. And how did, when did they first start noticing he was different than all the other children? Well, maybe like right when he was born, he still was probably abnormally large. All right. And how tall was he when he was two years old? Eight feet tall. Eight feet tall. And then he went to junior high school, went through puberty, and had a growth spurt. Yep. All right. So now he's 74 feet tall. Now, what did his parents do about all that? What about their house? Did he ruin their house? I think that they have had to, like, build a special 
room for him. A special room? And then he kept growing. Did they have to build another special room? Yes. Did they ever say, son, you're on your own? Or did they stick with him? They stuck with him. Stuck with him. And did they say, this is what I call foreshadowing. Did they say, someday you're going to make us proud? Yes. Yeah, I think so. What's this guy's name? I gotta get a name for him. Hmm. I had a name suggestion. His first name was Zeta. Zeta? Where's the name Zeta come from? The Greek letter Z. So Z-E-T-A. Ah, and why did his parents give him that name? Because he's really tall. And how big is his footprint? Okay, double things here. Now, even though he works in the business of make-believe, Chris Grabenstein is a man of facts. He always starts writing a story by doing research. And so the facts that he digs up help him figure out the rules of the imaginary world that he's creating. I did some math. If you know how tall someone is, you know how big their feet are. So we can do that pretty easily. But I, I bet they're at least 74 feet tall. His It's got to be 10 to 20 feet big, his footprint, right? Yeah. So now, let's start thinking, did he, oh, why did he want to be a detective? There was a crime in his neighborhood. Ooh. Something where you can see something from a bird's eye view. Okay, and what was that something? Three cars were stolen. Three cars were stolen? He was looking out of his window Uh and saw the cars moving back and forth. And he was like really confused about why that was happening. How? Was it one person who did this? Two people. Two people. So this is good because you're giving yourself a problem. How do they drive three cars away with it just being two of them? They had some people. Oh, now there's more people. Yeah, they had like... But don't go there yet. Don't go there yet, because you could use what you just said, which is great. They could have towed one of them. They could have towed one. They could have driven one like half a mile, got out, used the other second car to drive back to where the third car was, drive it forward a half a mile, so you could have this whole kind of comical thing going on. So is this going to be the crime that he solves? This is the one that he solved that made him a detective. Zeta! You gotta call Zeta! Because Zeta is 74 feet tall and he can like keep his eye out. So we're on the seventh floor, so we're probably 70 feet tall, aren't we? So you wanna go upstairs and look at tall buildings? Well, try to get a sense of scale. Sure. Jasper followed Chris up a spiral staircase to his roof deck so that they could look at the world from Zeta's perspective. From their 70-foot eye level, they could see Central Park and the rooftop water towers that pepper New York's skyline. We're taller than the trees in Central Park, or as tall. So he would have to be in a a one apartment that was as tall as our whole building is here. Pretty incredible. I'm just seeing that construction crane down there. You see uh, where they're building that one? Yeah. And that thing there, you see that thing? That green arm with the yellow uh, pipe coming out, that's how they uh, pour concrete when they're building a high rise. That would be a good way for him to drink a milkshake. His parents better be wealthy. What other questions you got? The only thing I've really been thinking about, Uh like I would be a big 
logistics thing. Uh-huh. Like, what kind of clothes is he going to wear? I mean, he probably has to wear, like, custom clothes and shoes. And maybe he gets his clothes made by the same people who make circus tents? Yeah, he could do that. Yeah. More Oreos? You might have to take these home with you. By now, Chris and Jasper have gotten down quite a few details of the story. The character's name, backstory. They even have a pretty good idea of what the world looks like from his point of view. Jasper's going home with a box of mystery Oreos, and Chris Gravenstein is getting ready to put on his thinking cap. When we come back from the break, we'll hear how Chris Gravenstein grew Jasper's story scene. Are you enjoying this episode of Story Seeds? Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We would also be grateful if you leave us a gold star rating or write us a nice review. It really helps other kids and families find the show. And if this is your first time listening, check back in our feed to find episodes one and two featuring authors Dan Gutman and Vera Hiranandani. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Story Seeds podcast. You know, I get to talk to a lot of authors as part of my day job, and one of the things I hear a lot is that ideas come to them while they are doing the simplest things, like taking a shower, or in Chris Grabenstein's case, going outside and taking a walk. In fact, Chris Grabenstein pondered Jasper's story seed quite a bit while taking his daily walks in Central Park. Here are some messages he sent Jasper. Hi Jasper, I was just out walking in Central Park and I had an idea for the first sentence of our story. When he was three days old, Zeta had diapers that were three feet wide. Jasper, I'm having an idea here. We want to like our main characters and sometimes to like the main character, you you need to make things around him not so likable. So I'm thinking that his mother uh, maybe doesn't really like having this giant for a son, and Zayda and his dad go off to New York City where the dad buys a seven-story tall building and guts it, the whole thing, so he can turn it into one big loft apartment for Zayda. I don't want to think about how big the toilet is. It's bigger than you might imagine. And his dad always says, though, don't worry, son, I'm sure one day you're going to make your mother very, very proud. And that becomes the emotional need that our character will have through the rest of the story. Yes, he wants to solve the mysteries that that come before him, but he needs to win back his mom's love. Hey Jasper, you know, it strikes me that what we're doing here is a tall tale. Here's the thing, when you're writing, if you can kind of identify what genre you're playing in, you can draw inspiration from it. Ah, a tall tale. Well, you've probably heard those wild, adventurous stories about those ridiculously tall or strong American folk heroes. Johnny Appleseed, Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, John Henry, Sally Ann Thunder, and Whirlwind. The more grandiose and extravagant the hero, the better the tall tale. And now, for the first time ever making its debut on Podcasts Everywhere... I present the tall tale that Chris Grabenstein grew out of Jasper Stoneberg's story seed, The World's Biggest Detective. 
World's Biggest Detective by Chris Grabenstein from a story seed planted by Jasper Stoneberg. When little Zeta Zingoni was three days old, his diaper was three feet wide. When his mother and father brought him home from the hospital, they had to rent a moving van. We're going to need a ton of milk, said his proud father, and so he bought a dairy farm. Fortunately, Zeta's father, Tony Zingoni, was the billionaire owner of the Zingoni's Foods grocery chain. In time, his son became the supermarket magnate's biggest customer. He could eat the whole produce section for lunch and call it a salad. When Zeta was 12, he was 74 feet tall. He combed his hair with a lawn rake. He brushed his teeth with a floor buffer. His shirts and pants were tailor-made by the same company that stitched together circus tents. In his first dozen years, Zeta's mother spent a lot of time in her bedroom, weeping, gnashing her teeth, and muttering, Tekamaki! Tekamaki! Zeta wondered why. Curious, he did some investigating. First, he interviewed his mother. She shouted her answers up to him through a bullhorn. Maybe that's why they were never really close. She was five feet tall. He was 74. Turned out his mother blamed a bad tekamaki sushi roll, raw tuna rolled up in rice and seaweed wrapping paper for her son's gargantuan size. There was something in that uncooked fish I ate, she whined through the tinny, battery-powered speaker. I know it! Zeta did a little more digging. Using his voice-activated computer, he tracked down the Japanese restaurant where his mother had eaten the sushi. Ah, I remember that night, said the chef proudly. We had a special tekamaki rolls filled with tuna from a giant bluefin caught off the coast of Nova Scotia. It weighed 1,500 pounds. It was the biggest tuna ever caught. Zeta's mother ate a giant fish. She gave birth to a giant baby. Case closed. That tekamaki did this to me, Zeta muttered. It ruined my life. It had also ruined his mother's, he realized. Mrs. Zingoni never adjusted to the fact that her son shattered all the Guinness Book records for world's tallest two-year-old and world's largest kindergartner and even the world's most gigantic trick-or-treater the year he dressed up as really big bird and crushed several of his neighbor's lawn ornaments, toppled picket fences, and squished parked cars when he went strolling through the neighborhood with a sack the size of a deflated hot air balloon. One night, right before the holidays, Mrs. Zingoni had had enough. You sneezed and broke all my best china, she screamed up at her son. You also broke the china cabinet, sent it sailing through the dining room wall. We can't have anything nice in this house because of you. We can't even have a roof. It was true. Zeta had burst through the roof of their three-story mansion when he was eleven. Now, when it rained, the mansion's basement flooded. That's okay, son, said his dad cheerfully. I always wanted an indoor swimming pool. But mother is so mad. It's not your fault, Zeta, said his father. You dug up the truth. 
It was that blasted bluefin tuna sushi. Tekamaki, Zeta muttered bitterly. Son, said his dad, riding up in a fire truck's bucket crane to look Zeta in the eye. I'm proud of you, and one day your mother will be too. And then he patted his son lovingly on the shoulder with a ten-foot pole. Because Zeta had completely outgrown their suburban mansion, and because the neighbors kept complaining that he was causing earthquakes whenever he bounced his jumbo-sized basketball, Mr. Zingoni decided it was time for his son to move into the city. I've bought you an entire seven-story tall apartment building. We gutted the place, turned it into one big loft. You'll be better off there. Joffrey the butler will live with you. In the city, marveled Zeta, it's even more crowded than the suburbs. True, said his dad, but you'll never have to leave home. Your apartment will have everything. The building is hollow inside and as wide as a city block. You can lie down without crushing anything or anybody. We installed a crane to hoist your meals up to your mouth, pumps to shoot milkshakes through a tube we repurposed from a water park. Why, there's even a video game console made out of a jumbotron screen I borrowed from my baseball stadium. It was a good thing Zeta's dad was a billionaire who could send a butler to live with Zeta in the city. Zeta had everything he needed, except, of course, a proud mother. I have to stay inside, said Zeta when he and his father drove into the city. Zeta made the trip strapped to the bed of a double-long flatbed truck and had to suck in his stomach whenever they passed under a bridge. Yes, his father told him, at least until we figure out some way for you to walk the streets without making potholes. But not to worry, we built a 20-foot-wide, remote-controlled moon roof into the seven-story tall building. You can poke your head out whenever you want to grab a breath of fresh air. I'll come visit every weekend. Joffrey will fetch you anything you need. Son, I, I know it's hard being the only 74-foot-tall kid in the world, but, well, we just have to make the best of it. Tekamaki, Zeta muttered. Ah, 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 said his dad. None of that. Keep your chin up, son. Well, not that far up. You'll break the light fixtures. So on his first night in the city, after Joffrey had gone to bed, Zeta slid open his moonroof and popped out his head. It was beautiful. He could see the city's towering skyscrapers twinkling in the distance. The buildings were so tall, it was the first time Zayden didn't feel freakishly out of place. He was just another towering giant in a skyline filled with them. He looked down on the street below. It was mostly deserted. He glanced uptown toward a bank building with a digital clock billboard. It was three o'clock in the morning. Suddenly, Zeta heard glass shatter. Uh-oh, he thought. What'd I break this time? He looked down at the street. Two men had just smashed out the driver's side windows in a pair of parked cars. Now they moved on to a third car. How are we going to steal three cars, Rocco? Zeta heard one of the men shout over the tinkling of glass. There's only two of us. We take them one at a time, Jimmy. And from his bird's eye view, Zeta watched as the two men drove two cars up the street and around the corner. Then one driver stopped, hopped out, and ran back for the third car. 
His partner stopped the car he'd stolen, hopped out, and ran to retrieve the car the first thief had parked in the middle of the street. This frantic shuffling and shuttling went on for ten blocks. They drive, stop, run to the car behind them, drive it, stop it, go retrieve another vehicle. Zeta had seen enough, more than anyone in the city because he was the only one tall enough to see it all, no matter how many turns or back alleys the robbers used in their escape route. Zeta Zingoni was the only one who could explain how two thieves had stolen three cars. He needed to call the police, but he didn't have a phone, so he called the cops the old-fashioned way. He put two of his gigantic fingers into his gigantic mouth and whistled a gigantic whistle down at the police station three blocks south of his apartment building. Police! He shouted, rattling the neighboring windows. Police! There's a triple car theft in progress on Abernathy Avenue, and I know who done it! Chris here. Uh, I finished writing the first part of your story. I hope you like it. We're, we're always nervous when someone reads whatever we've written for the very first time. I hope you will take and turn into a longer story. You've got Zeta set up now as the world's tallest kid who has a knack for seeing things that other people don't see and has a great curiosity. Now, what crime is he going to solve next? Dear Chris, I really enjoyed reading the beginning of this story. I was thinking that to continue it, Zeta could solve a crime about stolen china because his mom was really sad that he broke hers while he was sneezing. I loved the alliteration of Zeta's name and the way he had to eat. Thank you, and sincerely, Jasper. What about you, dear listener? What crime do you imagine Zeta will solve next? The Story Seeds podcast wants to know. Call our hotline at 646-389-5153 and leave us a message telling us what other giant mysteries our guy Zeta can crack. We may feature you on a future episode of the podcast. Remember, inside that noggin of yours, that cranium, that gray matter, is the rest of this tall tale waiting to grow. Oh, and if you want to know how Chris Grabenstein became a famous writer and hear him talk about his favorite tall tales? Come back next week for my interview with him. Story Seeds is a literary safari production. This episode was produced by Sandhya Nankani and Anjali Sakrani. Sound mixing design and score is by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten. Kayla Fedison is our associate producer. The field audio was recorded by Nathan Miller. And I am your host, Betsy Bird. Until we meet again, keep growing that imagination. On Story Seeds, you're in control of your destiny. Adventures you design, where your dreams can grow. A little more each time on Story Seeds.